Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There is a passage in the Word of God that I want us to look at from the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12. It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Amen? May God bless his word. I want to share this morning from this text, and I want to use... The title, Dangerous Intersection. Dangerous Intersection. A few years ago, while I was still living in Kentucky, I was driving along on a two-lane highway. It was overcast. It was rainy. It was wet. It was damp. Kind of like some of the days we've had in this past week. I remember on this particular day being preoccupied and distracted by many things. There were challenges that we were facing in ministry and in our personal life. And on this day, as I was driving on that two-lane road, I observed a road sign that summoned me out of the misty, meandering monster of this rainy day. Now, we all know that road signs don't talk. They don't walk, they don't beg, they don't beckon, they don't solicit. But on this particular day, the words that were etched on the sign seared and seethed like a scorching coal into the inner sanctum of my consciousness and being. The sign read, Dangerous Intersection. As I was driving along and I saw that sign, and perhaps I'd seen it before and not really paid as much attention, I asked myself, why would the state of Kentucky post such a sign? Low visibilities, sharp curves, slick surface, heavy traffic, a history of accidents, or mounting fatalities were all reasons I thought for such a warning as that. Quickly, though, deferring my analysis of the why, on this rainy, misty, wet, slippery day, I focused on the more immediate and more urgent response, which was to slow down, adjust my speed, and stay alert. A few days ago, when I read this text, experience wedded with exposition as this distant memory of some time ago drew alongside the words of this text. There's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. 
I'm so moved and mesmerized by the significance of this passage for us today in our own experiential setting that I want you to hear it in a number of translations. The New International Version says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. The New Living Translation said, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it's death. The Young's Literal Translation said, there is a way right before man, and its latter end are ways of death. The Message paraphrased by Eugene Peterson said, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again, it leads straight to hell. The Jerusalem Bible says there's a way that some think is right, but it leads in the end to death. The New Century version of the Bible says some people think they are doing right, but in the end, it leads to death. And the New Revised Standard Version says there's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. The words in our text and all the translations that you just were privy to represent a sober warning. Solomon, the wonderful wisdom writer, perhaps the wisest man other than Jesus who ever lived, who made his share of mistakes, knew a dangerous intersection when he saw it. So alert was he to the dangers that this verse in Proverbs 14 and 12 is repeated verbatim in Proverbs 16 and 25. As I reflected upon the significance of this, I thought perhaps this may have been on Jesus' mind. When in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many go therein, but narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there are that find it. Perhaps it was what was on the mind of the anonymous poet who wrote these words. There is a time we know not when, a point we know not where, that marks the destiny of men for glory or despair. Little did I know when I began developing this sermon that there was a book co-authored by J. Dennis and Jim Henry recently published with the name Dangerous Intersections. Dangerous Intersections. They list in this book 11 dangerous intersections that the church is facing today. I believe today that you would agree with me that this nation is at a dangerous intersection. We are living in a nation where some have began to engage in moral terrorism. And I want to tell you today that the greatest challenges we face are not necessarily people at work. Of people being able to pay their bills. We're facing some challenges because the moral foundations of our nation are being threatened. The sanctity of life and the sanctity of marriage and family. There will be soon another Supreme Court vacancy. I'm praying for our president. And I'm praying that he will listen to the voice of God because... 
God says what he means. And God means what he says. I hope, I hope people understand that no nation in history has ever been able to shake their fist at God in defiance and say, God's word don't matter. It is still true today that righteousness exalts the nation, but sin. As a church, we are the salt and the light, and we got to be careful of who we hitch our wagon to. Because we march by the beat of another drama. We are at a dangerous intersection. But to Jim Henry and Jay Dennis's point, I agree that the church today is at a dangerous intersection. Listen to what they say in this book. The church of the 21st century faces some dangerous intersections. They go on to say, when church leaders ignore these intersections, the world began to ignore the church. It seems we're hearing every week about another church that is struggling, another pastor who is ready to leave the church or even the ministry, or another church that is divided. We're at a dangerous intersection. There is a way that seems the right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I asked the text, why are we? Why is this writer saying to the people, and why is it applicable to us? What is it in the text that suggests that this is a dangerous intersection sign? What does the text tell us about this intersection? It's three things, and I'll be through this morning. First of all, it's a dangerous intersection because of the problem of perception. The problem of perception. It's in the text. I'm not making it up. It says, there is a way. There is a way that seemeth right unto man. It doesn't say there's a way that's right. There, see, everybody, when you're in a debate, everybody thinks they're right. But there's a way that seemeth right unto man. It begins, this text begins with an anthropocentric or horizontal focus. The intersection in the text is dangerous because some of us are privy to or vulnerable to what I call perception paralysis. I heard a story recently, it just made me chuckle. A man named Bubba went to a doctor's office, walked into the receptionist's area, and he said, I have shingles. The receptionist made him sit down, took his name, his address, medical insurance card, and told him to have a seat. A few minutes later, the nurse's aide came in and asked Bubba what he had. Bubba said, I have shingles. The nurse wrote down his height and weight. She took a complete medical history and told him to go wait in the examining room. He went on into the examining room, and a few minutes later, the nurse, not the nurse's aide, but the nurse came in and said to Bubba, Bubba, what do you have? Bubba said, I got shingles. She took a blood sample. She took an electrocardiogram. She told him to, to strip to his underwear, and the doctor would be in to see him shortly. A few minutes later, the doctor came in, looked at Bubba in his underwear, and said, Bubba, what do you have? Bubba said, I have shingles. He says, where are they? He said, they're out there in the parking lot on the truck. <laughs> Perception. 
paralysis. At a dangerous intersection, it is important that we adjust our speed so we can see clearly and perceive the path that is before us. Dr. Charles Stanley, wonderful teacher and leader of the First Baptist Church of Atlanta and In Touch Ministries. I know many of you listen to him. Dr. Stanley says this is the way we handle dangerous intersections. When we are facing decisions, these are the four things we need to ask ourselves. Is this biblical? Will it help us accomplish our goals? Is it a wise stewardship of our resources? And then most importantly, Dr. Stanley said, will it glorify God? Is it God honoring? Is it God glorifying? In order for decisions or choices to be made that meet those requirements, there must be two things. And it's implicit in the text. There must be two things. There must be relationship and recognition. And the relationship supersedes the recognition. Now, this is the point I'm making. We operate in a spiritual realm. Nicodemus was a smart man. He came to the Lord at night. He was a smart brother, but the Lord said you got to have a relationship because the relationship comes before the recognition. Except a man be born again. Verily, verily, truly, truly. Amen, amen. Show enough, show enough. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, to make decisions in the spiritual realm, you got to have something more than a sophisticated intellect. You got to have something more than a scientific methodology. Y'all don't believe me? Just look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. He says the natural man, the unsaved man, the unregenerated person, man or woman, cannot understand the things of God. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If you don't have the recognition that comes from God, you cannot make spiritual decisions. But the challenge is the sophisticated intellect at a point in time in spiritual matters have to be jettisoned. Look at that great faith chapter in chapter 11 of Hebrew. It's not by logic. It's not by scientific inquiry. It said by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. By faith. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Than by faith. Moses was a smart brother, but by faith. He chose rather to suffer affliction. It wasn't a logical choice. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the children of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So there's the problem of perception in the text. It's right there. But there's also the presence of peril. The second reason this intersection is dangerous according to the text is the presence of peril or danger. The next movement of the text reminds us that decisions have consequences. The Hebrew says, the ways of death. And see, we miss this in translation because the Bible has seven different connotations of death. 
There's worse things than dying physically. Our society would just tell you, eat, drink, and be merry, and tomorrow you die. There's worse things than that. You can be physically alive and spiritually dead. You remember what the Lord told Adam and Eve in the garden? He says, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely not eat. For the day you eat it, you shall surely die. And the Hebrew of the text means dying, you shall die. Now we know when they ate that fruit, whatever it was, when they ate it, something happened. They didn't drop dead, but something happened in their relationship with God. The decision was so consequential that it still haunts us and hobbles us and harasses us to this very day. Romans 5 and 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Decisions have consequences. I think there's one thing worse than physical dying and that's to die with your possibilities unexplored. To die with your potential untapped. Israel arrived at this place too. But there's one other thing in the text. Not just the challenge or the problem of perception or the presence of peril, but there's a promise of protection. A promise of protection. In the final instance, this is a dangerous intersection because it necessitates the promise of protection. Now, protection is not explicit in the text. It is implicit. We see very clearly the problem of perception. There's a way that seems of the right. We see very clearly the presence of peril, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But this sign has been posted for a reason. Now that day I was riding along on that two-lane road. I don't know who posted the sign. It didn't matter so much to me that I knew who did it, but I know somebody who was looking out. Because had that sign not been there, I might have just kept on rolling down the road with all that was on my mind and I could have ended up in a fatality situation. But this text says that there's a sign posted and you and I have to believe that somebody posted the sign. Do I have a witness? But the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God knows there are some dangerous intersections in life. And that's why I'm glad he posts a sign. He posts a sign not only here, but he said, if case you have a problem with this sign, I'm going to put another one up just three streets back. Trust in the Lord. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. It's a dangerous intersection. I'm closing now, but some years ago, 
the State Farm Insurance Company ranked the most dangerous intersections in the United States of America. And it was discovered that the most dangerous intersection in the United States of America is an intersection where Flamingo Road and Pine Boulevard intersects in Pembroke Pines, Florida. In the two-year study, 357 accidents occurred at this intersection. Do I have a witness? But early this morning, I asked the Lord, what's the most dangerous intersection? And the Lord told me that the most dangerous intersection was on a hill called Calvary. Yes, it was. It's the most dangerous intersection that man has ever known. You know why it was dangerous? Because on that hill, God's best met man's worst. On that hill, sin met salvation. On that hill, light met darkness uh, on that hill uh, a good penetrated evil uh, it's the most dangerous uh, intersection but but I'm so glad uh, that my God came down uh, through 42 generations to clean up that intersection and he went down uh, in the midst of death uh, oh yes he did and when he got up uh, he posted a sign and said a dangerous intersection but that's alright uh, if you look at the sign closely it said at the cross at the cross, at the cross, at the cross where I first met the Lord. Do I have a witness? He died so I might be safe. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org. For more information about us and to obtain resources provided by TD Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.